Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Peterson experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's our number two of the Greg Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. And we've got ourselves just the best time of year, in my opinion. A whole bunch of college basketball that's going to be going down a little bit later on in the hour. We're going to be going a little bit more off the beaten path as we've got some NIT CBI games as well. As I always say on this show, Money is money. It doesn't matter whether you're betting on these NCAA tournament games. It doesn't matter if you're betting on the Super Bowl or if you wind up dumpster diving with Utah versus Western Illinois. There is money to be made on all these games. Don't feel bashful if you wind up taking a little bit of a lesser game. As a matter of fact, I consider it a little bit of a badge of honor when you're able to find winners in something like we're going to throw out there one of these CBI games. Fort Wayne versus Drake. So. You've got a lot of these games that are going to be going down. And I think that it's always relatively solid to be able to take a look at some of these games as well as I think that it's going to be really interesting because when it comes to the NIT, a lot of the teams that you wind up seeing being able to rise up and being able to be contenders in the NCAA tournament in future years, a lot of these teams, they want being able to build a little bit of positive momentum from the CBI. What used to be known as the CIT. It's now known as the basketball classic these lesser tournaments. So I think that that's always something that you want to be taking a look at. And we always take a look at all the folks behind the scenes because these are some of the best in the business. You've got my producer, Brian Ortega, who's riding with me tonight. Nick does a great job as our technical director. I always get set up on audio. Typically, we wind up having Brad out there. I know that tonight we wind up having our man, Ken, who is in studio doing a lot to help be able to help us out. And then you've got Oliver, who every single hour after... The hour winds up ending. He always posts up all the podcasts. He does absolutely amazing work. So if you ever wind up missing anything on the Greg Peterson experience, you're able to go to Visa and Best Bets. And thanks, Oliver. You're able to find all these hours in nice, clean audio form. So that way, you're able to listen to it if you're waking up a little bit late on your drive home or if you want to missing me talking like a moron about Andre Cabello or something like that, you're able to find all that. So always appreciate all that he's able to do and always appreciate being able to write up one of these plays for DK Nation. I would always try to write up more games if I could, but you only have space for one game and we're going to be going with the early one here on this college basketball Saturday. We're going to be going North Carolina Baylor. This is on the betting board, 791, 782. Most places you're going to be finding Baylor as a five and a half point favorite. We have seen a couple of fives wind up popping, but right now, for the most part, we're seeing five and a half totals anywhere between 149 and 149 and a half. And I think that this is going to be a really fascinating game. What I wound up writing up is going to be laying the points with Baylor in this spot. I do think that Baylor, despite the fact that they've got Jonathan John Machacho out for the season and 
LJ Cryer. At minimum, he's going to be missing this game. You might wind up seeing LJ Cryer come back for the Sweet 16. If Baylor is able to survive in advance, you may not, but he is going to be out the full. But despite that, Baylor has been able to play some of their best offense this season. This is a bunch that they have actually been able to score at least 72 points in seven out of their last 10 games. And we all expect North Carolina to be that flamethrower offense. They have scored 70 points or fewer in five out of their last nine games. So Baylor has actually been on a little bit of better form on offense. Then you take a look at what Baylor is going to be having to go up against with this North Carolina defense. And, well, North Carolina, they're not doing a great job of being able to guard the arc. They rank 238th in all of college basketball in terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage, allowing opponents to bury 37.5% of their threes in a road and neutral court environment, while Baylor, they are 18th in the country with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage. As we know, with this North Carolina team, the lifeblood of this team is really their three-point shooting. This is a North Carolina bunch that they really do rely upon of that. And it's a North Carolina team that you've got Caleb Love along with RJ Davis. They combined for a little bit over seven half assists per contest. Both of these gentlemen have been able to do a solid job of being able to knock down their threes this season, both being right around 37% from distance. But with them having to go up against this Baylor bunch, I do think that it is going to be relatively tough for them to be able to overcome that. And when it comes to North Carolina, with their good three-point shooting percentage, they're a team that they do a solid job of being able to balance things out a little bit more because this is a team that, with regards to the percentage of their shots that they wind up getting from three, it is only about 145. So this is a North Carolina team that they are going to be willing to drive it in a little bit more. But one of the big things that you've seen with regards to this Baylor team all season long is that turnovers can sometimes be a little bit of the bane of their existence. We've noticed it with James Akinjo. Now, to the credit of James Akinjo, he has turned the ball over three times or fewer, and now five other teams last seven games. So he's been able to button things up with that regard. It's a Baylor team that ran around 155th in the country with regards to turnovers on a per-possession basis. But take a look at this North Carolina team. They are not a team that's going to be able to get a lot of pressure on James Akinjo. You take a look at turnovers forced on a per-possession basis for this North Carolina team out of 358 D1 teams away from home. So in a road and neutral court environment, North Carolina, 355th on a turnover on a per possession basis. They cause a turnover on 12.2% of possessions. Meanwhile, Baylor, they're very nearly double that. 23.3% of possessions when they're in a road and neutral court environment. They force a turnover on. That's in the top 10 in all of college basketball. As a matter of fact, that is fifth. So I do think that North Carolina is really going to be up against it. We saw North Carolina have legitimately their best performance of the year. No, regardless of the competition, I mean, this is a team that they played against like the College of Charleston, Loyola, Maryland. Their biggest win differential wound up going against Marquette. And I do think that there is something to be said about North Carolina being able to rein it in this time of year. They did wind up going through the coaching regime change. Uh, you've got Hubert Davis, who's out in the fold at North Carolina. But that said, I do think that this is a Baylor team that they just have so many good, I guess you'd call it sizable guards. They've got a lot of guys that stand right around six foot three, six foot four. So they're able to do a good job of being able to guard the outside as a result. And even though they're without Jonathan Jamachachua, their lead rebounder, you have Jeremy Shane along with Will Thamba. Both of these guys combined to be able to give you 12 rebounds per game. Thamba is able to give you a block per contest. Meanwhile, you've got a North Carolina team that has one of the worst teams at being able to block shots in all of college basketball, aside from Armando Baycote. Baycote has been able to do a terrific job for this team. 17.5 points, 12.5 rebounds, right around 1.7 blocks per game. And what can be said about this North Carolina defense, and there is one redeeming quality with them. They do not allow you to get a second chance. With regards to percentage of misses that result in an offensive rebound, 
They're in the top 10 in all of college basketball. They only allow a miss to be rebounded on right around 19 to 19.5% of misses. So they do a very solid job there, but this is a Baylor team that they hang their hat on defense. They are 14th in all of college basketball with regards points allowed on a per possession basis going up against the North Carolina team that we're going to call it what it is. It's been very tough for this team. They are a team that they rank right around 192nd with this regard. And with North Carolina, with regards to points a lot on a per possession basis, it balloons in a road and neutral court environment, right around 12 and a half points more per 100 possessions. And you just take a look at the similarities that we wound up seeing in college basketball with a lot of the teams that wound up going down. We wound up seeing, obviously, a lot of upsets on Thursday. You didn't necessarily see as many on Friday, but what I thought was very interesting, this was tweeted out by Connor Ope. He does a great job over there at Heat Check CBB, by the way. Folks over there at Heat Check CBB, they really do put in a lot of work. They do a great job of taking a look at college basketball in general. But with that said, every one through six seed that wound up losing in the NCAA tournament on Thursday, they were all outside of the top 30 in terms of Kempom's defensive efficiency rating. That does include Kentucky. Kentucky was in the mid-30s with that regard. So defense does win championships in March. Baylor does that. North Carolina does not. I mean, you just wound up seeing with Iowa. So many people were so bought in on this Iowa team. And they, Iowa, they were playing some solid basketball. They were able to win the Big Ten tournament. But what Iowa was not doing was that Iowa was not defending worth a lick to save their lives. And that wound up biting them in the butt once again. So I always do think that you've got to be taking a look at that. And then when it comes to what you're able to get on the flip side for this Baylor team, I do think that being able to have Kendall Brown being able to fire on all cylinders is going to be able to help out this team as well. I do like this Baylor team to be able to get the job done. I think that's going to be really interesting, by the way. If you do wind up getting the Sweet 16 matchup that I've got on my bracket, that would be UCLA versus Baylor because I personally wound up advancing UCLA to the Final Four. As a matter of fact, I advanced UCLA to the national title game. So how about if we wind up taking a look at that game right about now between they and St. Mary's? This is 797, 798 on the betting board. This is one of the lower totals that you're going to be finding on the board. Finding it at a 126, falling from a 127. And UCLA currently finds themselves as a three-point favorite on the last spots. We're seeing a couple straight two and a halves out there as well. But I think that UCLA should be able to get the job done in really a battle of West Coast, I guess you could call it, dominant programs. I mean, St. Mary's, they wound up having a little bit of a down year last year. But let's call it what it is. This is a team that year in and year out, they've been able to make the NCAA tournament. And I would argue, this is the best St. Mary's team that we've seen in quite some time. With that said, this is a UCLA team that they've got all the goods. Something that did wind up standing out to me about UCLA's win against Akron is that they really didn't give a lot of minutes to Miles Johnson. He did wind up playing only about, I would say, 9 to 10 minutes, depending upon how you wind up being able to grade that out. But you take a look at this UCLA team, and I do think that they're going to be going to him a little bit more. St. Mary's has been relatively solid with regards to how they've been able to guard bigs, but I do think that Johnson is able to give you a little bit of a different dimension. Guy that only gives you 3.5 points per contest, but comes in from Rutgers, has been able to give you 5.5 rebounds, does give this team a little bit of a ruggedness edge down low, 1.3 blocks per game. And then this is a UCLA team that, much like St. Mary's, they've got a lot of guys that they just wind up being able to stuff this at. Gee, Johnny Juzang is the lead scorer for the team with right around 16 points per contest. Dealt with a little bit of ailment, but towards the back half of the Pac-12 tournament, they looked, he looked significantly better, and I think that he's going to be firing out cylinders in this game. But you take a look past that. Tiger Campbell has really been able to turn over a new leaf with regards to his shooting. Last year, UCLA was able to make the Final Four in spite of the fact that he was not a guy that was able to pop it from three-point range. That is not the case this year. 4.2 assists and 1.3 turnovers, so the efficiency at the point guard spot is still there. He really runs the point 
for a UCLA team that's in the top five with regards to fewest turnovers on a per possession basis. But he's also been able to go bombs away, shooting 41.5% from three-point range, shoots 83% at the free throw line. I think that that is going to be a big difference for UCLA, not just in this game, but if you'd like them to be able to advance like I do further in the NCAA tournament, then you add on their Jules Bernard, who's able to give you 12.5 points per contest. And with this UCLA team, among their top six scores, five of them give you at least three. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. 3.8 rebounds for so you've got good rebounding by committee, and I do think that they're going to be able to take it to St. Mary's. On the flip side, I'll go through what we've got with the Gales, and I'll also be giving you guys a little bit more about this region in general that Baylor finds themselves in, because it's a tricky one. Next, right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you are looking for more sports betting discussion around your local team, Bet Rivers has you covered because Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts that are designed to tackle sports betting from a local perspective. You've got CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast, Harvey Gear Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, list goes on and on. And we've had a couple of those fine folks join me right here on the Greg Peterson Experience. As it is a Greg Peterson Experience, they all do an absolutely tremendous job. And also along with those podcasts, Coast Coast Hoops, it's going to be up in about 45 or so minutes. So if you wind up missing anything that I wind up doing on this show, I'll be breaking down all the games there, give you guys my reaction from everything that we wound up seeing on a rambunctious college basketball Friday, a couple trends that I'm noticing. So we're going to be breaking down all that and so much more. So we've got you covered just all throughout the dance right here on VSIN. So it's an absolutely tremendous time of year, and it's absolutely tremendous to be able to take a look at these games as well. We were diving into this UCLA versus St. Mary's game. St. Mary's find themselves a three-point dog in your total of 126 and really dove into what you're able to expect out of this UCLA team. But with St. Mary's, I will argue that this might be the most impressive St. Mary's team that I've found. Now, 
I did wind up setting them as a five-point underdog, so it's not a spot in which I'm able to back them in this game. But you do take a look at St. Mary's, and what has really been interesting about the St. Mary's team is just the way that they've been able to fire in all cylinders on offense. Because typically when you think St. Mary's, you think about a slow and grimy team that plays solid defense. And yes, that is very true. This is a St. Mary's team that with regards to points a lot on a per possession basis. They are 15th at all of college basketball. And this is a team that with regards to total possessions per game, this is a team that as per usual, they're ranking outside the top 320. So this is a team that they really do like to be able to slow it down to a crawl. But with that said, this is a St. Mary's team that they do have a lot of firepower out there in the backcourt, and it's a team that, with regards to just total points scored on a per-possession basis, so offensive efficiency, this is a team that they're clocking in in the top 75. So they've been able to do a relatively solid job there. They do experience a little bit of a fall-off with regards to road and neutral court environments. They're a team that they're scoring right around 11.9 points fewer per 100 possessions when they are away from the state of California, so that is a little bit of an issue for this team, but you do take a look at what you're able to get out of UCLA, and I do think that they're going to be able to put the clamps down in this game because I wind up just talking about the UCLA offense. The UCLA offense has been relatively solid. 24th in the country with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis, but you look at the way that UCLA has been able to lock down recently, and it has been incredibly tremendous what they've been able to do. This is a UCLA team that I mentioned it a little bit earlier. They didn't wind up giving a ton of minutes to a guy that I really like in Miles Johnson in the first game of the NCAA tournament, but I do think that you are going to be seeing a little bit more of him moving forward, and when it comes to what you're able to get out of UCLA, they're a team that they do a very solid job of being able to take care of the ball, as well as this is a UCLA team that's turning the ball over on just 13.1% of possessions, and with that as well, you've also got a St. Mary's team that they do have one Achilles heel. That'd be three-point shooting percentage. Opponents are about are shooting a little bit north of 33.5-34% from three-point range as 215th in all of college basketball. Among your top six scores for UCLA, you've got four of them shooting above 36% from three-point range. But with that said, this is also a UCLA team that they've been slowing things down a little bit more themselves. They were actually in the top half of all of college basketball with regards to possessions per game towards the early part of the season. I attribute that a little bit more to the non-conference foes that they wanted playing. You want to play against teams like Long Beach State. I think that they actually want to play against Long Beach State twice, and that's one of the quickest teams that you're going to find in all of college basketball that wound up having their numbers be a little bit warped. But UCLA now finding themselves right around 182nd with regards to possessions per game, playing a full three possessions per game slower the last three contests as compared to the rest of the season. So we've seen that little bit of a fall off with regards to tempo, but what has really been there all season long for this UCLA team has been the defense been a team that has been able to lock down much more on that side of the ball this season with regards to points a lot on a per possession basis 27th in the country a big reason why is because this is a team that they do a good job of swarming they do a good job of being able to guard the three-pointer and then down low as well with regards to opponents two-point shooting percentage this is a UCLA team that I'm very bullish on them in, both in this game and moving forward because they do rank in the top 75 with that regard despite the fact that you don't necessarily have as many bigs for this team, having Cody Riley back in the fold, I would argue is very good as well. And Cody Riley is a guy with a little bit of versatility and has been able to shoot over 40% from three-point range. So ever since he's been able to come back in the fold after he wanted missing most of non-conference play, he's been able to add that dimension to this UCLA team. And it's a UCLA team that has been able to travel relatively well as well. They allow opponents to shoot right around 31% from three at home on the road, more like 33%. So that's a big reason why I do wind up liking them in this spot. And you just take a look moving forward at this East region, and I do think that it's wide open. You do wind up seeing Purdue put a thrashing on Yale on Friday, but I, with that said, Yale is a team that should not have been on the 14 seed line. I've got a little bit of a 
theory with regards to why Yale was on the 14 seed line with regards to selection Sunday. I think that they were really just thinking, oh, Princeton is going to be able to get that 14 seed. But with that said, you did wind up having Princeton not be able to win the Ivy League tournament, and Yale was just a full step down from them. They wound up getting bludgeoned. They were unable to cover the spread. Azir Swain wound up giving the team like 18, 19 points, and nobody else could do anything. But I do look at Purdue, and they're certainly not a bulletproof team, to say the least. As a matter of fact, I think that they're going to have a tough time with Texas in that contest. Whoever UCLA would, or whoever you'd be winding up squaring up against with that moving forward, I think would be very fascinating. But you do take a look at this UCLA team. I do think that they would have a relatively solid job or solid shot of being able to knock off a Baylor team that they've been dealing with once again, an injury to LJ Cryer, the without Jonathan Chama Chachua. And I think that a lot of people coming into the year, they were either way too high or way too low on UCLA. You wind up seeing UCLA come out in the preseason poll at number two. And there were a lot of reactions. I personally thought it was a little bit too lofty for UCLA. I felt like they were certainly worthy of being a top 10 team, not necessarily the number two team in all of college basketball. And now you take a look at it, them getting a four seed. I felt like they were very much underrated. And I do think that they've got a solid shot to be able to make the final four. And if you're taking a look at final four futures, what I think is very important to do is to shop around because you do have a lot of different odds that are currently coming about with regards to this. If you take a look at Circa, which is where I'm doing this broadcast from right now, odds be able to win the East region. Literally just pulled it up on the app that's in front of me right now. You've got UCLA at 5-1. to one to be able to win the East region. Meanwhile, you go to DraftKings, you take a look at odds to be able to make the final four. UCLA currently clocks in at three to one. That is a big, giant discrepancy right there. Why take the three to one if you could get five to one? And you're going to notice this with various teams like Purdue, for instance, at DraftKings. You're finding them at plus 240. Here at Circa, you're finding them at a plus 295, but you've got a much better price on Baylor as well. You've got Baylor here at Circa at plus 247 at DraftKings right now got them at a plus 220. So you're going to be finding different numbers depending on where you do wind up shopping around for these for these just futures in general. So I do think that that's very important to do. Like, for instance, you've got a little bit of a long shot out of Texas. You're finding them right in between plus 700, plus 750 across the board. So you're not necessarily getting a whole heck of a lot of better slash worse value with regards to them. But I do think that it is so interesting when it comes down to it. I wound up throwing it out there in our number one where you wind up having the money line rollover where you wind up placing one unit on the money line of the team that you think is going to make the final four. You think is going to be able to make the national championship list goes on and on. And instead of taking a future, you wind up doing that. And what else do you be able to get with a little bit of a rollover as well as say that you are like me. You think that UCLA is going to be able to make a deeper run. I personally wind up placing UCLA in my title game against Kansas. So I really do think that UCLA is going to be able to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, but let's say that you think that UCLA is going to be able to do a solid job against every team except for Gonzaga, for instance. So you are like me. You think that UCLA is going to be able to make a deep run, but Gonzaga is just that one team that you cannot wind up backing them against. So you wind up just putting one unit on the money line of UCLA and you just keep rolling it over and rolling it over. And then if you do wind up getting that bad matchup, you know what? Unlike odds to be able to win the national championship, odds to be able to make a title game because you're able to do this in so many different ways. Most places, they wind up just offering odds to be able to make the final four. So you don't have as much for odds to be able to make a title game. But with that said, if you do think that UCLA winds up being able to win the national championship, if they don't wind up going up against, against Gonzaga, you're able to roll it over. Say that you wind up getting that doomsday scenario against Gonzaga. Guess what? 
You don't have to bet it anymore. You can walk away from the table with your winnings. You can allocate those funds elsewhere. You take yourself out to a very nice dinner. It does not matter. You can do whatever you'd like with it. You don't have to keep on rolling it over. Meanwhile, if you're stuck with the future, you have to either A, wind up eating the loss that you wind up incurring with that, or B, you wind up having to hedge out. And when it comes to hedging, things can wind up getting very sticky there. Now, there are some of you guys out there on the East Coast, you do wind up having the early cash out option, but trust me, the books would not be offering this if they aren't necessarily getting a good cut on it. They wind up being able to snip away quite a bit of what you could possibly get on it as well. So, and it's only to, always something that does want to be kept in mind with that. So I do think that being able to roll over some of your winnings is something that is very intriguing. And when it comes to this region in general, I just do think that UCLA has a good opportunity to be able to get the job done because they might have seen Kentucky wind up getting ousted. And even with that, like I said, at Circa, you still have five to one on UCLA to be able to make the final four, despite the fact that they would not have to roll through big blue nation. So I do think that you've got some good value here with UCLA, both with regards to their game against St. Mary's and moving forward and moving forward. I do think that there's a lot of value with taking a look at what we've got on Saturday, including an interesting game involving Cinderella. So we're going to be in upon that next right here on VEASAN Esports Bank Network. Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network. Take another shot at March Mania Moolah with the KFC Ch Second Chance Survivor Pool. Make winning picks throughout the tournament and claim your share of $20,000 in prizes. Head over to DraftKings.com slash KFC hyphen March hyphen Mania. So you've got two hyphens in there between the words now to be able to join in on the, on the action. KFC, it's finger looking good. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com for details as it is a Greg Peterson experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. As you know, right now it is college basketball time of year, but the sport that I wind up doing once college basketball winds up wrapping up is baseball. And right now the hot stove is right now there with baseball. We're going to be getting to Murray State and St. Peter's in a minute, but this wound up coming through about 30, 35 minutes ago. You've got Carlos Correa. This being reported by Jeff Passini. Gave credit to Mark Berman, Fox 26, for the scoop as well. Carlos Correa and the Twins have agreed upon a three-year, $105.3 million deal. There are opt-outs after the first two seasons for Carlos Correa, so there's no front-loading with the deal or anything like that. This is just absolutely tremendous news for the Minnesota Twins. Now the question becomes for the Minnesota Twins, can they get any pitching whatsoever? I liked what I saw out of Joe Ryan towards back end of the season, but... Really, the biggest arm that the Minnesota Twins have picked up this offseason. Dylan, don't call me Al Bundy, who wound up going 2-9 and nine last season. He was just a complete and utter fade all season long. So that was absolutely tremendous. Bailey Ober wound up having his ups and his downs. And to his credit, actually pitched relatively solid through the back half of the season. Griffin Jacks is a guy that's very interesting. Randy Dominic was a hot mess. He actually wound up having a relatively good run of things when the Twins wound up making the playoffs a few years ago at a 764 ERA last year. I mean, boy, oh boy. You were just taking a look at, you were thinking regression is going to be coming in for Randy Dominic, and then he wanted giving up two home runs per nine innings. So he just got absolutely shelled last season. But I mean, I think that the Twins are going to be good for some overs because you do wind up losing Josh Donaldson, but Josh Donaldson was banged up throughout much of last season. 
got to be figuring that you're going to be able to get some good production out of Byron Buxton. Buxton, whenever he was out there, he was absolutely magnificent for this team. You take a look at Miguel Sano, don't you know, this is a guy that doesn't hit for average, but boy, oh boy, he's able to put a hurting on the ball. He wound up having 30 home runs last season, despite having a little bit of a rough start to the season. So, I mean, this is a Twins team that they're going to put up runs and they're going to probably give them up. I will say for the Twins as well, bullpen towards back half of the season with Ralph Garza Jr. along with some of these guys like Corey Alcala, they actually did wind up pitching halfway decent. So I'm very curious to see what we wind up getting out of that end. Here on the Greg Peterson Experience in future weeks, we are going to be taking a look quite a bit at baseball because next week we are going to be down to a very, very finite amount of college basketball games. And that means that baseball is going to get started. And what's nice about it this year is that there's actually a break between college basketball and baseball, a full two-day break. And you know me, I won't be sleeping. Rather, I'm going to be taking a look at a bunch of guys that are out there in the bullpen, how they're going to be performing and trying to see if we can find some good home and road splits with some of these baseball teams. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I am very much looking forward to that. And, and according to my good friend, Brian Ortega, who's doing a great job of being able to produce this show, Twins, 80 to 1 to be able to win the World Series. I don't know if they're going to get me to bite on that personally because I just don't think that they have enough firepower, but there are worse bets that you could make, like anything having to do with the Baltimore Orioles. Orioles in a few years are going to be solid because they do have a bunch of young guys, but don't take Baltimore Orioles futures. That's just the motto of this. So how about if we might have taken a look at teams that they might have a little bit of a future in the NCAA tournament. That would be the St. Peter's Peacocks and the Murray State Racers. How about if we go... 789, 790 on the betting board. You've got Cinderella finding herself an 8.5 to a 9-point underdog as Murray State is that big of a favorite. Total is anywhere between 129.5 and 130. And I do think that this is a really intriguing spot. I'm going to see if we wind up getting a little bit more line movement because this wound up opening up in a lot of spots at 8.5. It is now a smattering of anywhere between 8.5 and 9. And you take a look at this game, and I do think that Murray State is going to be able to do a good job of being able to force St. Peter's into some turnovers. And that's really the main bugaboo that you've got with the St. Peter's team because this is a St. Peter's bunch that a lot of people were stunned that they were able to pull it off against Kentucky. And I'll be honest here, I didn't think that St. Peter's was going to be able to pull off an outright upset. Now, I felt like they were disrespected in the line, them being able to catch right around 18 or so points. That was a couple too many. But with that said, this is a St. Peter's bunch that they're able to do a relatively solid job. But I do take a look at what you're able to get on the flip side. And I do think that this is going to be a racers bunch that they are going to need to buckle things down a little bit more compared to what we wanted seeing towards back half of the season or towards back half of the game against the Dons of San Francisco, because you may recall in that game, the team was up eight points with about a minute or so left to go. They were unable to close that thing out. So that was very fascinating when you wound up getting to overtime, but they were able to get the job done in that one. And it's the same Peter's team that, actually play at a middle-ish tempo, but the thing is, they just slow things down to a crawl, and then with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis, St. Peter's 259th in the country. Now, I will say this about St. Peter's. With regards to points scored on a per-possession basis, they score about seven more points per 100 possessions in a road and neutral court environment rather than at home. The big reason why is because they play out there in the Metro Atlantic. They play against a bunch of Metro Atlantic teams that we're going to call it what it is. They play at a relative sales pace. They hang their hat on defense, and they really don't do anything on offense. So I do think that that is a big thing to take a look at. And with regards to St. Peter's, they do have a guy by the name of Casey Ondafu. He wound up leading all of college basketball with regards blocks per game with four last season. Had a little bit of a fall off this season. Wound up having a rough stretch towards the beginning part of the season, but has really been able to regroup. 
And that has been big because with St. Peter's, you've been able to have a lot of guys be able to excel for the team recently. You saw it with Gerald Banks, the third. He was able to put up those 27 points in the win that they were able to get over Kentucky. You've also been able to have other guys like Fusani and Hassan Treyer. Both of these guys have been able to do a or Fusani Drame and Hassan Drame. These two guys have been able to combine for right around 12 rebounds per game. So they've been able to do a good job of being able to support Indefu. You got Doug Egger, who's been able to come in off the bench. He's giving you nine and a half points per contest. She's 40% from three. Really doesn't compare to what you're able to get out of KJ Williams. So he's going to be the most versatile player out there on the floor for Murray State. Guy that's in six for 10, shoots in the mid 30s from three point range, has been able to chuck in there right around. 17 or so points, eight rebounds per game. And with Williams, about a month or so ago, he's shooting sub 30% for three. So down the stretch, he's been able to shoot right around 40% from distance in the last month or so of the season. So that has been very big for this team. And then you just take a look at what you're able to get out of the St. Peter's team. Top 25 with regards points a lot on a per possession basis. So they've been able to do a solid job there. Maybe a team that has been able to just really guard the rim all season long. I was mentioning it with Endefu a little bit earlier. Take a look at him ever since the beginning of the month of February. So last 14 games of the season, you look like the old form of what you wound up having last season. 11 and a half points, three and a half blocks, six rebounds, a little bit over a seal per contest. Also, she's right around 28 and a half percent from three point range for good measure as well. So it's a team that is very solid with that regard. The big thing that you just got to be fearing is just the amount of turnovers that St. Peter's is probably going to be inflicting upon themselves as well. Now, they've been better at the free throw line. You saw that with their game against Kentucky. They were able to really close that game out at the free throw line, which was a little bit of a surprise to myself. They began the year very brutal at the charity stripe, but still 309th in the country with regards to being able to take care of the ball. That's not necessarily so terrific. It's a Murray State team that they can sometimes get a little bit loose with it as well, but they're in the top 15 with regards to both points scored and points allowed on a per-possession basis. I think that Murray State is just a little bit too well-rounded here for the St. Peter's team to be able to get by in. We've just seen it with so many of these teams that are 14, 15, 16 seeds that have been able to survive in advance in the NCAA tournament over the last decade. Now, we have seen a pair of 15 seeds recently be able to make the Sweet 16. That was with good old Dunk City, Florida Gulf Coast back when Andy Enfield was there. And then you wound up having an Oral Roberts team that did the unthinkable. They were down by double figures with uh, 10 minutes left in that game against Florida. You thought that there was just not enough left in the tank for them, but they were able to get the job done in that one. But with that said, I do think that this is going to be a case in which you've got a Murray State team that's a little bit too deep. You've got a Murray State team that also doesn't get enough love for Trey Hannibal, a guy that's come in from South Carolina, able to give you right around 9.5 rebounds, multiple assists per game, and then you've been able to have Justice Hill be able to give you five assists per contest as well. This is a St. Peter's team that's a little bit stronger on the interior rather than the exterior. So I do think the Murray State is going to be able to do a good job of kicking the ball outside and are going to be able to drain quite a few threes. So I don't think that you're going to be seeing Cinderella being able to stick around in the NCAA tournament a whole heck of a lot longer, though. I do think that this spot in general is going to be very fascinating and make no bones about it. I think that you've got to be gauging teams that just come in on these big burner runs like Murray State a little bit differently as well. There's something to having not lost ever since the calendar year of 2022 wound up beginning. And that's what Murray State has done. They've lost two games all season long. And one of those games was a true road game against Auburn, in which I'm pretty sure that they wound up covering the spread. They wound up losing that game by 13 points. Losing by Auburn on the road by 13 points is honestly not too bad of a loss in and of itself. So I do think that 
You've got a St. Peter's team that's a little bit outgunned. Total on this game is very intriguing. You've got a St. Peter's team that is a mid-tempo team. Murray State, they're not looking to gun it. They're not necessarily looking to play slow either. I do think that this is going to be close enough to where you do wind up getting a little bit of late game falling. I did wind up saying my total at a 131. You do have a St. Peter's team that has been able to score 70 plus points in right around seven out of their last 11 games. So I'm going to be taking a look at an over in this spot. And I am going to be taking a look at the races of Murray State as well. We've been looking at all these NCAA tournament games. And trust me, in the final hour, anything that I haven't hit on the NCAA tournament, we're going to be hitting upon those as well. But you've got NIT games. You've got CBI games. You've got college basketball classic games as well. There's lots of money to be made on college basketball. So we're going to be looking at some of these lesser games next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It is all about the madness right here at VSIN. And now through April 5th, you're able to get everything that we wind up doing 24 7 streaming, daily best bet emails, and our all new tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy all throughout the NCAA tournament for just $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket, betting against a spread, our team is here for you every single game and every single round. You'll get analysis from our experts. That includes myself, Greg Pearson, Matt Humans, John Von Tobel, Tim Murray, and so many more. Our insights as every single key team, conference, and player to watch from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up today and you'll be able to get the betting guide plus full access to VEASAN through the end of the tournament, which is April 5th, for only $19 at VEASAN.com slash madness. As it is a Greg Peterson experience with myself, Greg Peterson, and along with that as well, with regards to college basketball, we've got you covered with everything for the NCAA tournament. We've ran through a lot of these games. Anything that we have not hit, that is going to be it in the final hour. But with that said, there are a couple... CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Other games on the betting board as well, because it is a case in which you've got a lot of college basketball going down. You've got the college basketball insiders tournament that is going to be starting up tomorrow. Or if you're out there on the East coast, 
It's going to be starting up today if you're out here on the West Coast because it's still 1146. It's going to be starting up tomorrow, but got a lot of good hoops action. And we've got one that's going to be going down very early. If you don't necessarily see what you like in Baylor versus North Carolina, have no fear. There's another game for you. And it's at the top of the NIT board, 799-800 on the bang board. Texas A&M and Oregon are going to be doing battle. Texas A&M's a home team, a true home game for them. Five-point favorite. So on this game is 144 and a half. And I think that Texas A&M is on a crusade tour trying to prove that they belong in the NCAA tournament. They wind up making the SEC final. The big shocker for a lot of people was the fact that you did not wind up seeing Texas A&M be able to make the NCAA tournament. And motivation is something that is something that you want to take a look at with regards to the NIT because there are some teams that are up for it, some teams that are not. Now, what I found here in the NIT is that really all these teams who have relatively good motivation. You don't have a bunch of teams that have just punted on the season or anything like that. So that is very good to see. And this is an Oregon team that they're not going to quit on their coach, Dana Altman. Dana Altman is one of the best at being able to get his teams up for it. I believe it was the CBI. might have been the CIT, but I'm pretty sure it's the CBI. When I was at Oregon, it was the 2011 season. He wound up being able to get the Oregon Ducks that title. And then from there, they wound up going on a run of a bunch of NCAA tournaments. So Dana Altman does know how to be able to coach in some of these lesser tournaments, get his team up for some of these games. But I do take a look at it, and Will Richardson and Infali Dante, the top rebounder and the top scorer for Oregon, they wound up missing the last game of the NIT, and they're expected to be out for this game as well. Both of these guys are dealing with a little bit of an illness, and even if they do wind up going, you got to figure that they're going to be a little bit less than 100%. So now you take a look at an Oregon team, and it's a little bit of a skeleton crew. You've got Jacob Young, who's been able to do a solid job for this bunch. I do like the fact that he is able to give you right around 12 and a half points per contest. Davion Harmon, he winds up chipping in there right around 10 and a half per game as well. But Young has been shooting some 30% from three-point range. It's an Oregon team that has been a little bit of a hot mess with regards to their offense all season long. Meanwhile, you've got a Texas A&M team that, take a look at them, they're now ranked in the top 50 with regards to points a lot on a per-possession basis. And they've done a good job of being able to hold teams down from the arc. They are 75th in the country with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage. So they've been able to do a relatively solid job there. Oregon is a team that is very up and down with their defense. They're more around 115th with this regard now. With Texas A&M, they are a team that they turn the ball over quite a bit. They turn the ball over right around 13 and a half times for contest, but ever since he wound up having Marcus Williams leave the program, he is a gentleman that wound up coming in from Wyoming. They've been able to be a little bit more effective on offense because they've been able to do a good job of being able to mix a match. You do have your one headline guy, Quentin Jackson, 14 and a half points per contest, but then you've got a whole bunch of guys in which the whole is greater than the sum of its parts with them. Henry Coleman, Tyrese Radford, both of these guys give you 11 points, six rebounds per game. They both chip in there at least a seal per contest. And when it comes down to it, with the Texas A&M team, each of your top four scorers and five of your top six, they give you at least 1.1 seals per contest. That is one of the best marks that you're going to find in all of college basketball. And Texas A&M, what they do a very good job of, they wind up giving themselves second chances as well. This is a team that they are averaging right around 12 offensive rebounds per game. That is in the top 25 in all of college basketball. They do a good job of being able to generate those turnovers as well. So they do the little things well, and they're going up against an Oregon team that the fundamentals have been eluding them a little bit. They shoot sub-70% at the free line with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis. It's an Oregon team that ranks 116th, and they score a full 10.5 points fewer per one earned possessions when they're in a road and neutral court environment. And this is an Oregon team that flat out, they're not doing a great job of being able to generate turnovers as well. They generate right around six or so steals per contest. So safe to say that they're not necessarily going to be able to do the world's greatest job there with regards to just sheer turnovers per game for Oregon. They're a team that they're clocking in right around 110. So, I mean, they force a couple, but at the same time, it's nothing necessarily too rambunctious with them. And then 
with Texas A&M being able to have the balance that you've got with regards to the backcourt. I do think it's going to be a lot of them to persevere in this game. And I think that you've got to be taking into account the body clock situation as well, because this is going to be a game that tips at 9 a.m. Pacific time, central time. That is 11 a.m. You got an Oregon team that they wanted playing their last game out there in the state of Utah. So they are traveling through still at least one time zone. I think that it's going to be a little bit of a sleepy ducks team. And you've got a pair of teams that, they haven't necessarily been able to get the job done on offense. Both of these teams do rank outside the top 75 with regards points scored on a per possession basis. Neither of these teams are necessarily gunning it. Now, neither of these teams are necessarily overly slow either, but you take a look at it. You've got an Oregon team that with regards to total possessions per game, you're finding them about as close to the middle of all of college basketball as possible. Among 358 D1 teams are clocking in right around 150th. Texas A&M, they've been a little bit up and down with their tempo. They're more on 114th, so... I do think that that's going to be interesting to take a look at, but I typically do shade down my totals a little bit more for these early games. I've done so once again here. Set Texas A&M as a six-point favorite. I'm willing to lay it, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under as I wind up setting it at a 138.5. How about if we wind up going out there with another game out there in the state of Texas? And I actually find a nice little angle with this one. How about if we go 8, 8, 89, 890 on the betting board? You got Western Illinois and UTEP in a game that was supposed to be played on Tuesday with the College Basketball Classic. This thing has been a mess because right now, from what I've seen, there's not really a bracket for the Basketball Classic. You were supposed to have some random second-round game involving Wofford. That wound up getting canceled. It's been a big, giant calamity. They wound up having a tough time finding teams to be able to take the trips and be able to play. It was supposed to be Youngstown State versus Wofford, by the way. That was supposed to be going down and said, we've got Western Illinois and UTEP. UTEP is finding themselves anywhere between a 7 and 7.5 seven point favorite, and your total on this game is 145, and I don't see why the total is set this low. You got Western Illinois team that is in the top 20 with regards to possessions per game. Western Illinois, in terms of opponent three-point shooting percentage, boy, oh boy, are they giving up the arc. 340th in the country with regards to opponent three-point shooting percentage. In a road and neutral court environment, they are allowing opponents to shoot 39.5% from three-point range. That is in the bottom 10 in all of college basketball. Here are the teams that are worse. Nebraska, Omaha, UMass, Montana, Northwestern, North Dakota, Maine, and the University of Illinois, Chicago Flames, who were letting your bankroll aflame if you wanted betting on them this season. So, not necessarily going well there. Meanwhile, you've got a UTEP team that they do a good job of being able to pickpocket. They get right around nine seals per contest. Now, the one thing that you're able to say for Western Illinois is that this is a team that they take care of the ball. Despite the fact that they're in the top 20 with regards to total possessions per game, they only turn the ball over right around 11 and a half times per contest. So they've done a good job of being able to hunker down and buckle down in that regard with regards to possessions that end in a turnover. They're in the top 40 in all of college basketball. So give them a lot of credit there. This is a Western Illinois team that they've got Trenton Macer, a gentleman that wanted to be getting out there in the state of Texas. I actually played at Northwestern State last season. Guy that's able to give you right around 15 points, five rebounds, four assists. Guy that is truly a set sheet sufferable will carry us. Going to be curious to see what he winds up bringing to the scene. Right around 14 and a half points per contest. Colton Sandage, he and Carrius both shoot right around 35% from three-point range. Sandage is able to give you right around 13 points per contest, but Zali Boehm, Jamal Bianimi. These two guys combined to be able to give you right around 35 points per contest. Both of these guys shoot it well from three-point range. And with UTEP, each of your top three scorers give you at least a seal and a half per contest. Now, where Russell Illinois has this UTEP team outgunned is that UTEP is one of the worst rebounding teams in all of college basketball. As a matter of fact, right around 330th with regards to rebound rate. But Keontae Kennedy now back at the fold for this UTEP team. You want him missing about half the season. He's now back. He's able to give you six half rebounds per game. That is big because nobody else on this team gives you really more than five rebounds per game. That would be Tyus Verhoeven. So that is going to be very beneficial. 
for this UTEP team. Alfred Hollins, who winds coming in from Oregon State, has been a little bit of a buster-rooney for the team, but you just take a look at the way that Western Illinois is defending, and it is not good. This is a Western Illinois team that they're going to try to knife in a little bit more as well. They're a relatively average three-point shooting team with regards to points that they wind up getting off of twos. It's a little bit higher. It's a team that overall, with regards to their two-point shooting percentage, they are right around 160th in all of college basketball, but they actually have been a little bit more efficient in road and neutral court games rather than at home. I just think that this is a spot in which UTEP is going to be able to take hold with their offense. It's a UTEP team that's been looking to slow it down a little bit more. If you remember the name Joe Golding, he was the coach over there with the Abilene Christian team that wanted being able to win a game in the NCAA tournament last year against Texas. He's really been able to instill his style with UTEP. They've been able to do a solid job. I do think that with UTEP, Facing off against Western Illinois team that they had to travel all the way from the Midwest. They should be able to get the job done. Set my line at 10 and a half. I'm willing to lay it. Set my total at 147 and a half. So I like the over out there in that basketball classic game as well. And what else is classic? The NCAA tournament. Coming up next, we take a look to see if a 12 seed is able to advance to the Sweet 16. So we're going to be doing that on the other side right here on the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The kid. The kid. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep.